Crypto Crooks is sponsored by Chainalysis, the leading blockchain data platform. The BitConnect Ponzi scheme collapsed in early 2018, taking billions of dollars with it. It's a common saying that time moves faster in crypto. And a mere five years later, that enormous loss is barely a memory for many cryptocurrency users and advocates. And sadly, the scale of the BitConnect fraud pales in comparison to more recent alleged crypto frauds. Take Celsius, which declared bankruptcy owing its users at least $4.7 billion. And especially Luna, the fake stablecoin system, which destroyed somewhere between $17 and $40 billion, depending on how it's measured. We'll get around to Luna creator Do Kwon very soon. But the lessons of BitConnect are as relevant today as ever. Just as the lessons of Enron, Bernie Madoff, and Charles Ponzi himself remain important for investors who don't want to get ripped off. In fact, Celsius and other lending platforms looked very similar to BitConnect with their promises to deliver outsized returns by trading and lending users' crypto deposits. BitConnect holds another important lesson for investors and fraud watchers. Even five years after its collapse, with widespread and clear evidence of a global criminal conspiracy, some of the biggest suspects have evaded justice. Some, like promoter John Bigoton, are still waiting for court dates as regulators and law enforcement agencies build their cases. Others, including BitConnect founder Satish Kumbani, are on the run, their whereabouts unknown. Today, we look at the methodical, often slow progress of justice. We also pull at one final thread, the ominous connections between BitConnect and India's ruling party the conservative Bharatiya Janata Party, or BJP. A local former BJP politician allegedly played a role in the convoluted kidnapping scheme we covered in episode one. But Indian opposition leaders have alleged that those connections may go much deeper. That's another timeless truth about fraud. Just when you think you've gotten to the bottom of it, you may find it goes deeper than you could ever imagine. Welcome to Crypto Crooks, Season 1, BitConnect. Today, we present Episode 4, Fraud is a Flat Circle. Hello, and welcome to Crypto Crooks, a new podcast from Coindesk. Today, we close out our first season, which has focused on BitConnect, a Ponzi and pyramid scheme that collapsed in early 2018. It's a tale with a lot of lessons to teach. Lessons that more recent crypto collapses suggest we still haven't quite learned. I'm your host, David Z. Morris, Coindesk's chief insights columnist. I've been reporting on cryptocurrency since 2013, and I've followed it because I believe it will profoundly transform how we live. But I've also watched as the promise of crypto has been repeatedly threatened by a constant stream of con men and hucksters preying on the uninformed, the naive, and the desperate. Over the years, I've seen the same shady tactics, bad ideas, and deceptive rhetoric again and again. We're launching Crypto Crooks 
to share historical insights in hopes of protecting crypto investors from getting taken in. Each short season of the show will focus on a different major fraud, crime, or bad idea that fleeced investors and the industry. Because while cryptocurrency is a radical new technology, fraudsters aren't quite so innovative. Part one, truth and consequences. The wheels of justice grind exceedingly slow, but they grind exceedingly fine. That saying dates back as far as the second century Greek philosopher Sextus Empiricus, whose work survived the Middle Ages as an exemplar of the school of thought known as skepticism, a mindset that is, among other things, still one of the best ways to protect your money from scammers. Those wheels ground fine indeed over Glenn Arcaro, BitConnect's top U.S. promoter. On September 16th of 2022, he was sentenced to 38 months in prison for his role in BitConnect. Arcaro will forfeit no less than $24 million, some of it in restitution to victims. As U.S. Attorney Randy Grossman explained the sentence, quote, putting a technical sheen on a vintage scheme will not stop this office's pursuit of a just outcome. In the course of their prosecution, Justice Department officials also seized $56 million worth of Bitcoin from Arcaro. That may be different from Arcaro's claimed earnings because the Bitcoin appreciated between 2017 and the seizure's announcement in November of 2021. Justice announced that they would sell that Bitcoin to compensate BitConnect victims. But that's a tiny drop in the bucket of the $2.4 billion in total losses estimated by the DOJ. It's important to note that, as the Department of Justice acknowledges, Arcaro consented to the seizure, probably as a condition of a plea deal. That means he likely provided the private keys to access the coins. This is often the case when Bitcoin is seized from people in custody or under investigation. Without those keys, even a court order isn't in itself enough to seize Bitcoin. Arcaro's sentencing should be fair warning for others who had a hand in the BitConnect cookie jar. Trayvon James and Craig Grant were believed to have reported to Glenn Arcaro in BitConnect's pyramid structure. They were charged with marketing an unregistered security by the SEC in May of 2021, alongside three other players, Ryan Mawson, Michael Noble, and Joshua Jeppesen. Those are less serious charges than Glenn Arcaro's fraud conviction, but would likely still require them to give up much or all of their earnings from BitConnect. Trayvon James and Craig Grant have responded to that investigation in very different ways. Trayvon maintains that he was never aware he was promoting a scam, and in fact he is still actively promoting cryptocurrencies on YouTube, including projects which have attracted significant skepticism from reputable crypto experts. For instance, Trayvon was for many months a big promoter of Hex, which veteran crypto investor Eric Wall has essentially argued is a sham. It has lost more than 80% of its market value since December of 2021. There's another twist to Grant and Trayvon's stories. Around November 15th of 2017, Craig Grant posted a video 
since deleted, claiming a hacker had stolen around 70 Bitcoin from him. Those would have been worth over half a million dollars at the time, and much more now. Just over a week later, Trayvon James also posted a video claiming he lost 111 Bitcoin in a hack. They would have been worth nearly a million dollars at the time, but as many viewers of his announcement noted, Trayvon was remarkably calm about the loss. These hacks may have been real. They could have all happened at the same time because of the various connections between the promoters. But a skeptic might wonder if this was an attempt by Trayvon James and Craig Grant to avoid paying massive fines for their role in BitConnect. And Craig Grant in particular would have likely wanted to hide funds from law enforcement. Because while Trevon James has maintained his presence on YouTube, Grant has responded quite differently to the charges against him. Craig Grant was aware that they were going to file a lawsuit against him, so he actually fled to Jamaica. And I believe someone, some organization within the government sent investigators down there to find him, and they were not able to do that. So apparently he's like living out in the wilderness and probably will never come back to America. Uh, his wife still lives in America, and apparently Craig Grant abandoned his wife uh, and his children here in America. I, my actual belief is that I think that he's still sending her money through cryptocurrency from Jamaica. That's Scott Schaefer, an independent investigator who tracked Grant and other promoters in the wake of the BitConnect collapse through his YouTube channel, Crypto Jedi. That may seem like Grant is getting away with something. But life as a fugitive is often a punishment in its own right. Among other consequences, Grant can never return to the United States without risking immediate arrest. And remember Crypto Nick, the teenage BitConnect promoter who allegedly reported to Trayvon James? After BitConnect went down, Crypto Nick was actually probably one of the smartest, and he actually just deleted his channel, deleted all his videos, and pretty much disappeared off of YouTube. And no one really knows what happened to him. Because he was a minor, I don't think the SEC or anyone really went after him hard, as far as I know. Any good lawyer will tell you that keeping quiet is a good idea when you've been involved in a crime. Then, of course, there's John Bigoton, still awaiting a trial in Australia that could reveal new details about his wife Madeline's apparent suicide. Many of the players in BitConnect, then, will face justice for their actions. Others will escape it only by retreating into permanent exile. But we still don't know the fate of some of those closer to the center of the con. Alleged BitConnect founder Satish Kumbani and his allies in Gujarat. Each year, Chainalysis, the blockchain data platform, releases their highly anticipated crypto crime report. Readers gain access to 100 plus pages of original data, research, and case studies on the industry's most pressing topics, like ransomware, cross-chain bridge hacks, and all the latest in crypto crime trends you should know. Reserve your copy at chainalysis.com slash crypto crime. That's chainalysis.com slash crypto crime. Crime. 
Part 2, The Gujarati Connection. So what happened to the founder of BitConnect and his apparent inner circle? Some of the Indian operators have been apprehended, at least temporarily. A man named Divyesh Darji was arrested in 2018 and accused of heading BitConnect's promotion in India. But in 2019, after being granted bail, Darji fled and does not seem to have resurfaced since. Daval Mavani, the BitConnect developer whose Shailesh bot was accused of kidnapping and extorting in 2018, was extradited from Abu Dhabi in 2019 to face fraud charges in India. We talked about Shailesh Bhatt and his strange kidnapping and extortion scheme in episode one. Bhatt, remember, reported that he had been targeted by extortionists. But Indian investigators eventually discovered that he himself had been trying to extort BitConnect executives after the scheme collapsed. One member of the confusing cast of players may be more important than he seemed a man named Nalan Kotadia. Kotadia was a former Gujarat state legislator and member of Narendra Modi's BJP. Investigators claimed that Kotadia used local police officers to intimidate Shailesh Bhatt. If these allegations are true, why would a former BJP politician be involved in an attempt to intimidate Shailesh Bhatt? Whatever his own crimes, after all, Bot was the victim of a massive financial fraud. Was Cotadia protecting someone? Similar oddities hover around accused BitConnect mastermind Satish Kumbani. In September of 2021, Kumbani was indicted for securities fraud by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, alongside Glenn Arcaro. Arcaro, remember, has already been sentenced to prison time for different charges from the Justice Department. Justice grinds on. In February of 2022, parallel charges for Kumbani arrived from the Justice Department. The DOJ says that BitConnect attracted a total of $2.4 billion from 4,154 victims in 95 countries around the world. But wouldn't you know it, just a few months after those charges were filed, the SEC announced that Kumbani had disappeared. In a filing, SEC attorney Richard Primoff said that Kumbani, quote, has likely relocated from India to an unknown address in a foreign country, and that the SEC, quote, has been consulting with that country's financial regulatory authorities in an attempt to locate Kumbani's address, end quote. It seems the SEC had an idea what country Kumbani was in, but couldn't find his exact location. According to Primoff, the SEC couldn't say, quote, when its efforts to locate him will be successful, if at all, end quote. The SEC doesn't file those sorts of charges frivolously, and they probably know more about Kumbani than has reached the public so far. Still, there are a few nagging details that make me at least slightly skeptical of that official narrative. Some of them are purely subjective, so let's call it a hunch. What if there's someone behind Kumbani? 
We already know he didn't work alone, obviously. BitConnect was a huge global operation. But people like Glenn Arcaro, John Bigoton, and Trevon James were quite literally beneath Kumbani in BitConnect's structure. But what if there was someone above Satish Kumbani? Not just above him on the BitConnect pyramid, but above the pyramid entirely. Some doubt arises from Kumbani himself. In his handful of recorded public appearances, he often seems quiet, maybe even nervous, unlike the smooth, image-conscious talkers who usually head up successful financial frauds. Maybe he was simply self-aware about his own shortcomings as a spokesperson, leading to the decision to recruit people like Bigoton and Arcaro. But there's another explanation. What if Kumbani was a frontman intended to take the fall for a scam actually masterminded by someone else? There's precedent for this even within the world of cryptocurrency scams. Ruzha Ignatova was the face of a very similar con called OneCoin, which has been covered in amazing depth by the BBC's Jamie Bartlett. Much like Kumbani, Ignatova seemed to entirely disappear after regulators cracked down on her scam. But Ruzha's brother, Konstantin Ignatov, pleaded guilty to his role in the OneCoin fraud and has cooperated with authorities in related legal cases. In 2019, he reportedly said that his cooperation could, quote, reveal activities of individuals who might use violence, end quote, against him. That aligns with mounting evidence that OneCoin may not have been the brainchild of a single Eastern European woman. Instead, there are strong indications that regional organized crime was involved, with Ruzha Ignatova acting as the public face of something much darker. Could the same be true of Satish Kumbani and BitConnect? Did Kumbani, Divyesh Darji, and even Craig Grant evade U.S. and Indian justice on their own? Or did some of them get help from powerful allies who don't want them talking to authorities? Remember that Nalan Kotadia, a former BJP-elected official, allegedly got his hands dirty by looping police officers into an extortion and kidnapping scheme. And that the BJP is headed by Narendra Modi, India's current prime minister. It was Modi who pursued a program of so-called demonetization, an attempt to flush out illicit cash earned from bribes, crime, or tax evasion. Indian police have alleged that Satish Kumbani and BitConnect solicited investment from holders of this black money. In fact, it may have been a key early driver of BitConnect's growth. Remember that Gujarat, the state where BitConnect was founded, was also the power base for Modi in the years before he became prime minister in 2014. And, according to former Indian news anchor and current Coindesk staffer Amitar Singh, the BJP had, quote, carte blanche in the region. This is all circumstantial evidence, of course. It would be irresponsible, I can hear you objecting, to make the leap from these scant shreds of evidence into wild speculation. 
it would be irresponsible of us to even suggest that Indian and U.S. law enforcement still haven't really gotten to the bottom of BitConnect. We could never make that claim based only on a few general correlations, rather than any specific connection. Luckily, we don't have to make that leap. That's the voice of Saktasinghe Gohil, a veteran member of Indian Parliament and spokesman for the Indian National Congress political party, which opposes the BJP. In July 2018, after BitConnect's collapse, Gohil held a press conference to air suspicions that Narendra Modi's BJP was involved in the BitConnect fraud. In fact, Gohil claimed that while he was on the run from law enforcement, former BJP politician Neelan Kotadiya said in a video that, quote, if he is arrested, he will reveal damning evidences which will expose top BJP leaders in the state. Coindesk has been unable so far to independently confirm that threat from Cotadilla. But based on Cotadilla's threat, Gohil claimed the case was a complex fraud involving, quote, illegal Havala transactions, kidnappings, and extortion of cryptocurrency using CBI, police, and government authorities at the behest of top BJP leaders in Gujarat, end quote, according to English translations by NDTV. Gohill further alleged that political pressure had been applied in the case and suggested that some of the players were being protected at a high level. Gohill said the Modi government had sent investigative agencies to hound opposition leaders in Gujarat in other cases, but, quote, does not bother to investigate this scam in which an absconding mastermind BJP leader has made serious allegations of how top BJP leaders are linked with this entire saga of illicit money transactions, end quote. It's a staggering allegation that remains unresolved. What if the real top of the BitConnect pyramid scheme was in effect Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi? Part 3. Do I look like a sucker to you? That particular disturbing thread still needs much more pulling, but we want to end with a few thoughts on a more immediately pressing question. How do you avoid getting scammed yourself, whether by a random self-styled crypto developer or the Prime Minister of India? First and foremost, be skeptical of big promises and easy profits. But just as important, be willing to change your mind even when you've already got money tied up in what you thought was a good investment. Nearly everyone who works to expose scams discovers just how hard it is to convince victims that they're getting ripped off, even in the face of very suspicious signs. The pseudonymous investigator at BCC Ponzi, who eventually helped bring down BitConnect, saw that kind of resistance again and again. The response is almost always, uh, nobody has ever lost anything with it, so it all went well. Why should I lose money? And my reply usually is, it works until it doesn't work. And that's usually the case with Ponzi schemes. Nobody loses anything until everybody loses everything. Unfamiliarity with finance and financial scams is just one part of the problem. 
We've already seen that many of the victims of financial fraud are facing intense hardship, which can blind them even to obvious red flags. Even without that hardship, many scam victims are vulnerable because of their lust for money. It's, it's really greed that motivates them. It is too good to be true, but some people just want it to be too good to be true. And some people do, at some point, uh, get it and get out, but it's certainly the minority. One other point is also important. While they may be misled, the victims of scams like BitConnect are not just a bunch of simple-minded dupes. In fact, sometimes being smart actually helps victims trick themselves. It's, it's hard to tell how they, how they think, but they're definitely not all very stupid or something. But when it comes to uh, financial stuff, they probably don't have the right background to, to understand how they're being fooled. And they make all kinds of stuff up to uh, validate it for, them, for themselves. You see the most weirdest calculations they come up with to validate it. You can tell them all the stuff and point them to all the red flags and they still say, but it works, but this, but that. In short, if you think you're too clever to get scammed, you may already be fooling yourself. Scammers themselves often seem to fall into a similar trap. The idea that they're too smart to get caught. BitConnect may be ancient history by crypto standards, but as the saying goes, those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it. The fates of BitConnect's creators and promoters highlight a timeless truth. They're on the run, lives ruined, loved ones dead or missing, permanently marked as high-profile con artists with their victims' immense suffering, a permanent stain on their souls. And maybe, just maybe, they're in the crosshairs of even more nefarious villains. Quick and easy riches will always be a strong temptation for the short-sighted. But in the longer run, crime definitely doesn't pay. Not even for crypto crooks. We hope you've enjoyed our dive into BitConnect and learned something from the story of its downfall. Next season, we will dive into a much more recent story, the tale of a man who thought he had invented a perpetual money machine. Satish Kumbani conned naive individuals around the world, but one of his successors tricked some of the most sophisticated investors on the planet. Lunacy, the rise and fall of Do Kwan, coming soon on Crypto Crooks. Crypto Crooks is a Coindesk production. It's executive produced by Jared Schwartz, with additional production by Rob Mitchell, Eleanor Paul, Nora Battelle, Jonas Huck, and Moonbeast. Fact-checking is by Amber Von Schassen. Sound design and music by Altus Nomina. The show is written by me, David Z. Morris. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode. <laughs>